I'm part of the fabric of what's going on, the energy, the flow of Seville. I just, it's perfection for me. Hello and welcome to this episode of Tripology. I'm Alan and I'm here with the ever intoxicated Adam. Well, and I've got ever such a hangover, mate. Why? What you got a hangover for? Have you been partaking of the old alcohol? Well, as you know, this is now maybe I'm a little bit out of sorts because I'm not used to this lifestyle, whereas you've had sort of two or three months of backpacker livelihood and and uh, backpacker liveliness, should I say. Whereas I've been thrust into the mix and um, drinking every night. I just don't know if I've got it in me anymore, mate. You're experiencing a juxtapositional hangover where you've gone from a nine till five working, making a living, and then now you're thrust into an environment where there's all sorts of young, beautiful people drinking, sipping on the old beverages. You've joined them and now you're paying the consequences. Is that right? That's it. You've hit the nail on the head, mate. And, you know, let me just paint a picture for you. I'm currently in Lisbon. I've been in Sevilla in the south of Spain, Andalusia, for the last week. Got here a couple of days ago. And a few of us went out to a really wicked bar in Lisbon where uh, there was a... They, they had these basically these very old songs, very sad, melancholic songs right. that come from, you know, a very long time ago. They're called Fado, F-A-D-O. And now they've become very popular and there are certain bars around Lisbon where you can go and watch local music being performed. And um, I went with a, a couple of people, queued for ages to get in because it's kind of a, you get in in the evening and then you can choose to stay there. It's not like one in, one out. You don't buy tickets or anything. It's just a normal bar with live music. Um, super, super busy. And then it was amazing. I had quite a few glasses of wine, I'll be honest with you. Really enjoyed the music. And then I met a group from the hostel outside, happened to see them there. And they said, look, we're going to crack on and go to a few other bars. I mean, what am I going to say? No. You can't be saying no in a social situation like that. You've got to grab life by the proverbial cojones and go with them. So did you have a good time? Have you enjoyed it? And maybe backtrack a little bit and tell the listeners why the hell you decided to go to Spain. Uh, It's just somewhere that I had always wanted to visit. Sevilla in particular, but the, I mean, the listeners won't know this, will they, Al? But we've got some very good friends who are from Lisbon. They're Portuguese. They listen to the podcast. Loads of love to you, Manel and Marta, if you're listening. And they live in Vancouver at the moment, but they had come back about this sort of time to Lisbon to see their family and friends. And I was trying my hardest to line up a trip to come and join them here. But unfortunately, uh, timings didn't align and and that's sort of I know Liz- Lisbon is obviously not severe but what I wanted to do was make a little round trip do severe Lisbon up to Porto and then across to Salamanca and Madrid perhaps over the next couple of weeks but who knows I just um I feel like a bit of a kid in a candy shop at the moment mate I'll be honest with you because now I can't say oh I can't come to the bar tomorrow uh, I can't come to the bar tonight because I've got work in the morning I haven't. I've got all the ideas, a bit of money in the bank. I'm feeling inspired and motivated. And how how does one choose where to go? 
Exactly. And listeners can maybe take a little note from your book and realize that you wanted to go somewhere for a reason, Lisbon. The reason didn't quite work out. So you switched up your plan. You've managed to combine several little locations. You're an experienced traveler. You're doing experienced travel things. You're making the best out of slightly unusual circumstances. And you've ended up exploring that part of Europe like ever such a good little backpacker. Nice job. Yeah, well, I've also picked their brains. They've been very, very kind, our friends, and sent me a long, long list of where to go and what to do and uh, different neighbourhoods and this kind of stuff because that's really how I like to discover a city is is by just walking around neighbourhoods for hours and hours on end. But talking about Sevilla, mate, have you, you have not been to Seville, have you? I went there very briefly as a child with both my mother and my father and we were dancing around with castanets on our hands sort mm. of having a lovely time but I don't particularly remember it and certainly not as an adult traveller. It's so amazing. So I'm actually going to use the the words of a, a young German lady that was in my room at the hostel I was staying in Seville because she was doing a big trip around Spain interrailing and incorporated some of France as well. But she said that Seville is is a city that, separate from Barcelona and Madrid, is obviously a big city, but almost every single building is decorative or beautiful or sort of has that sort of colonial architecture. It's historical. It's just so wonderful to look at. It has the, you know, the blue and yellow tiles on often that have been painted and stuff. And it's very unusual to have a city of that size, I think, that doesn't have a business district with really generic skyscrapers that are all glass and stuff. You know, there's there are commercial areas to it, but the city in terms of the buildings and the little alleyways, they're very tight, sort of labyrinth-esque streets, if you like, cobbled and just, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful city to walk around all the time. Yeah, amazing. There's an eminent psychogeographer whose name escapes me who once said that you can tell what a society really cares about by which of its buildings are the tallest, which of its buildings are more ornate. Go to some Islamic nations and you'll find that their mosques rise above the cityscape for God is what they value most. Go to most of the Western world and you'll find that banks and hotels dominate the skyline. Interesting that you've noticed that in Seville, every building is ornate and beautiful in a manner that suggests the Spanish like that which is pretty gorgeous and nice to look at. Yeah, I'll tell you what else they like as well, Alan. Tell me, I'm interested to hear. The south of Spain is very famous for flamenco dancing. Thus the castanets. And uh, I don't know if you've ever been lucky enough to see a live performance, but can I tell you a little bit about a couple of the evenings I had when I was there? I want to hear about them, yeah, tell me. I have never seen a person dance with so much passion, power, and pain. As you that night when you were there. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what they put the what in the wine in the south of Spain, but my goodness, <laughs> I was possessed. I was a man possessed. Um, <laughs> passion and pain, baby. Yeah, that's it. So, I mean, the hostel, the hostel I stayed at was fantastic, by the way. Black Swan. Black Swan Hostel in Seville. Go and stay there. The staff are amazing. They all speak about three or four languages. Uh, the common room's great. It's really communal, inclusive. They put on some great events and uh, all the facilities are clean and all that kind of stuff, which is a real sort of dream to find that Black Swan Hostel in the middle of Seville. So highly, highly recommend 
going to stay there. You can tell which one of the Tropology hosts leverages the podcast for free stays at hostels, can't you? I've scarcely mentioned a hostel in India, and Adam, having been in Seville for a day, <laughs> is, is shouting out, what is it, the Black Inn? No, the Black Swan. And I, I paid full whack, mate. I paid for every single night, and even on Fridays and Saturdays, the price doubles, oh. and I paid that as well. Right, like it, like it. So the Black Swan. Lovely. Yeah, we're, we're all about contributing to the backpacking community here. And if that means paying full price for hostels, I mean, I mean, I just had a lovely time there and I want other people to experience the same. Nice. And and on that note, people should definitely go to this bar. Whether you go to uh, a hostel sort of group evening event as a result or not, is not really the point. You can go to this bar if it's not organized by the hostel. But um, it's called La Carboneria. And you turn up, I think the first performance is about 9.30 and the entrance for the bar is just the price of one drink. And you get a drink for it. <laughs> yeah, sorry, yeah. Maybe let me just uh, make that completely clear. You buy a drink at the bar. It just happens to be the price of one drink. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you buy a drink at the bar and then you're allowed to stay in. And of course, the flamenco performers, they're all doing it. So this is like a tip. Right. You know, you, you basically tip them on the way out if you can donate something to the cause or whatever. Gotcha. Um, but they do three, I think it's three performances in an evening. And I went to the same bar twice. On the first time I went, which was like a Tuesday or something, there were three guys performing, a male flamenco dancer, someone singing, and then a guitar player. And on the second time I went, which I think was a Friday, it was a guy playing the guitar and a man singing, and then also a female flamenco dancer who cannot have been older than maybe 16. And... The second time I went there, I sat cross-legged on the floor next to the stage. Now, this bar is like not much. I mean, it's, it's more like a small warehouse, if anything, with a couple of raised levels, but people sitting all over the place. And I sat right next to the, right next to the stage with my legs crossed. And I mean, I call it a stage loosely. It's basically a platform that's a couple of inches off the ground. So I was like sitting right next to her feet. And <laughs> it was... Like honestly, Alan, I, I, looking back on it now, I'm not sure I've ever, I've ever seen a performance that has moved me so much. Because you were sat too close to her feet, you had to get up and shift, did you? She kicked me to the other side of the room. No. <laughs> oh, I've never felt so moved as when that 16-year-old flamenco dancer physically asked me to leave the venue on account of being too close to her feet. Yeah, God. Well, you know, they don't allow any photography or videos in there. So if they see you with your phone out videoing and stuff, they tell you to put it away. Yeah, too right. Um, but I kind of love that. I love that. It was like a moment in time. And you know, honestly, it was like time stood still. It was incredible. For those like 20 minutes that she was performing, we were transfixed. We were hypnotized. We felt her pain. It was. There's a Spanish guy hiding behind the clock, just taking the batteries out to create the illusion. Everyone's like, my goodness, what a performance. <laughs> Truly, this woman has transcended Kronos himself and time has stood absolutely still. He's like, <laughs> got a little grin on his face, a couple of AA batteries in his hand. Everyone, everyone felt the same, mate. I mean, it was, um, I highly recommend going to that bar in particular if you are in Seville. But um, the, the performance, it's just, I remember thinking to myself, and I spoke to people afterwards, I said, I don't know, like, I can't imagine that a 16-year-old has had to live such trauma to be able to dance with that much, you know, the, the energy that she was kind of dancing with. I've just, it was so impressive, so impressive, mate, loved it. That's amazing. You really are 
a cultural icon, Adam. And by icon, I mean someone who is interested in culture a lot. So the opposite of an icon, someone who <laughs> you're a culture fan, Adam. I like that you've gone straight for the for the meat of Spanish culture by attending that flamenco uh, session. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. I mean, I liked it so much that I might. Should I? Should I try learning flamenco dancing? I think you should try. I think that you have the tootsies for it. You have the calves for it. I think you should really give it a go. Um, and then we should share those results. Have I lived enough pain, Alan? I don't, well, I think that you've caused enough pain. I think you could channel that into your dancing somehow. It's almost like you were the antagonist of the flamenco world. And we can share those results on our YouTube, can't we? That would be a lovely thing. Have you <laughs> have you enjoyed being back at travelling then? How's that felt? Because it's been ever such a long time for the host of a travel podcast gone without travel. Yeah, no, absolutely. I've really, really enjoyed it. Um, and it has taken me a while. It's taken me a couple of weeks to sort of find my feet and remember how things work, so to speak. Um, but r loving chatting to really interesting people. I've, I've met some amazing people, mate, which I'm, you know, I'm sure you're well aware of. But I feel like the... The difficult thing is if you're someone who is able to travel and really interested in travel sometimes is that you meet so many people that are doing so many amazing things and they just inspire you to do more things or, you know, have new ideas and stuff. So, yeah, I, th I would say that the people have played an enormous role in just how amazing uh, my last two weeks have been and being back in Europe as well. I mean, I don't want to say anything negative about North America. I don't, because I think you can live an amazing life there. I think the quality of life's fantastic. The people are obviously wonderful. Um, and, you know, the region that I was living in, Alan, was, you know, objectively beautiful, I would say. But then you find yourself in a tapas bar, having some tapas and a few glasses of wine with the locals. And I just don't know if you can replicate that outside of Europe. Yeah, difficult to, you'd have to set up a tapas bar, fine, but then also import the locals, which is a challenge, costly, and, you know, maybe not just to have them arranged around the restaurant to create a certain vibe. I don't know if it's economically viable thing. So good that you've gone to Spain to have that experience and good that you're traveling again in general. I think that's really cool. I'm glad you're having a good time. Definitely, we believe on this podcast that people are the thing that sort of define punctuation Way, adds the flair to travel which we love so much we had johnny on the podcast last week he kind of defined my time in sri lanka and uh i miss him dearly now he's gone back to india and i'm back in india as well oh my goodness do you think now is maybe a good time for us to go on a brief meditation break have a little relax i'll tell you a little bit and then i want to hear some more stuff about spain amazing let's meditate Isn't it wonderful to meditate briefly and then return into the conscious world, all alert and aware? Adam, I'm in Kerala in the southwest of India and I'm perched on the top bunk of a dorm bed. This room was, at the best of times, on a knife edge of being uncomfortably hot but there was a fan positioned in the center of the room which just about toppled the knife onto the side of bearable i've had to turn that fan off on account of the fact that i'm trying to record audio <laughs> and it's really made this room into sort of i mean i'm not going to exaggerate i'm not going to say it's like an oven but it's like an oven maybe 
an hour after you've cooked a roast chicken. It's cooling down. It's very, very horrible. You wouldn't want to sit in there for a long time. Do you know what I mean? That's so funny. Does it smell of roast chicken as well? The remnants. There's a certain smell here and it certainly ain't human. So (laughs) who the hell knows? But (laughs) I tell you what. Here we are. This is the things we have to do to record a travel podcast, Adam. I've got my phone set up recording video. You can see it at youtube.com forward slash tropology podcast. I'm here recording audio. You're listening to it right now. And we're just getting on with it here in India. That's so funny, mate. I am always so impressed and thankful of your commitment to recording audio. Yeah, well, sometimes it's a bit of a challenge in, in India because you've got, you got bad Wi-Fi, you've got unusual settings. I've had to do a little run around the hostel finding everyone who's in my dorm room and say, hey, guys, got a bit of a podcast thing going on and also the room's unbearably hot. Can we all evacuate for an hour apart from me? And that's been met with uh, nothing but kindness. So here we are. Oh, good. Yeah, I was sort of the same in this room that I'm in, which you can probably hear is giving off echoes like I'm in a church or a cathedral or something and there was a lovely Swedish guy sitting in here just reading a book and luckily the breakfast here the free breakfast starts at 8 30 so I said oh sorry mate bit of a weird one but I'm gonna try and record a podcast in here do you mind if I and I was gonna say do you mind if I do it while you're in here but he just got up and said oh god no oh yeah absolutely no no by all means nice so um that was a nice little interaction yeah that's lovely isn't it and you know, it's funny being back in India because Sri Lanka was very much just like an India break. I'd already spent a month in India, nipped over to Sri Lanka with Johnny, did a load of fun stuff there. Back in India now, oh, I remember it here. It's lovely. I'm, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I've been surfing a lot in Sri Lanka and I'm going to try and continue that theme here in India. I'm ready, I'm poised to become one of the best surfers tropology has ever seen. I'm starting to stand up on green water waves yeah the surfing audience in the listenership will know what that means okay you know i'm getting better it's not a reference to the color of the water in india (laughs) it's both a reference to the state and color of the water (laughs) no it just means a wave as it's starting to swell you know where gravity is the principal force taking you down the wave as opposed to just the push of the water itself i'm trying to ride those gravitational waves i love that about you mate you don't do things by halves do you if you're interested in something you hit it full force and uh yeah hats off to you i can't wait to see how things progress yeah unfortunately i have been hearing it full force and it's caused a terrible amount of back injury so i'm having a day off today to record this podcast and then tomorrow back at it i'm in vakala in kerala and i'm just hitting those surf waves wicked could you get someone to take a little vid of you hit uh surfing a wave I'd be really interested in seeing that. What it is, Adam, I would like to do that. But the amount of time it takes me to catch a wave means that there's no memory on anyone's phone quantifiable enough. So just they'd have to record me for about an hour in order to get that one bit. What I could do is sit in the water someone could just watch me from the beach and when i really feel confident and good i could like throw up a gang sign or something and they could right okay he's about to catch it and then do that but quality a lot of it's reading the water kind of thinking yeah this is the one i'm going to catch and then trying but we'll see we'll see what we can do and i'm sure we're going to do a few episodes on sri lanka but overall you had an amazing time did you 
I had a beautiful time in Sri Lanka. I really enjoyed everything about that country. I enjoyed the food. I enjoyed the people. I enjoyed the company that I was with. It was truly amazing. I saw some beautiful animals. I went to some religious sites. I went to this cave where Ram battled a demon with Hanuman and Sita. It was just a crazy time in there. I really enjoyed everything about it. And I'm sad to leave, to be honest, but I'm trying not to let my sadness leaving Sri Lanka impact my perception of India. I think that may be an important point to touch on. I think it's sometimes easy to come to India now and be like, oh, I miss Sri Lanka, I miss Nepal. But that's a negative mindset to have. I'm just going to try and wholeheartedly thrust myself into this Indian adventure now and treat India with a brand new perspective. Yeah, that's something that might be worth diving into, mate, because I felt a deep sense of sorrow when I left Seville, and I could have stayed there for much longer. I think I could live in Seville, to be quite honest with you. And that's, again, another emotion that I haven't experienced in such a long time. Yeah, okay, talk about it a bit more then, if you've not experienced it. I was basically trying to like detach myself from the experiences I had in Seville to Seville itself, because... I thought, God, I could just live here. I would love to just live here and eat Spanish food and, you know, learn flamenco dancing and learn Spanish. And that could be my life for a few months. Why don't I just do that? And then I thought, well, is the reason why I've loved it here so much because of specific experiences I've had in Seville with the people I've had them with who won't be here if I live here? And it was just a bit of a tricky one, mate, because when I was on the, when I was on the bus on the way out, I remember thinking, God, is is life in Seville going to be that good all the time? Is that something that I should consider for myself? And Or I was just trying to sort of think, well, maybe it's just an amazing time you've had and you should appreciate that and then move on to the next place. Yeah, it's interesting. Certain places are travel swallowers, aren't they? Mm. You've talked a bit about Pai on the podcast. It's a place in Thailand where so many people go and then they end up just spending the rest of their time there. They set out on an adventure around Southeast Asia, they hit Pai and then suddenly they've been there for five years, not done <laughs> any other travel. It's yeah. swallowed them up. And I feel like... Now I'm being drawn in in similar ways. It would have been very easy for me to extend my Sri Lankan visa to three months and then see how I was and then six months because I was liking it. When you have a good time somewhere, it's very easy just to attach all these beautiful memories to a place and be like, yeah, this is where I want to be now. But really, you know, people move on. Johnny's gone out of Sri Lanka now. The people will ever change. And I will be depriving myself of creating new memories and making new friendships elsewhere. So I think sometimes when you've committed to the idea of a trip as opposed to the idea of, I want to find somewhere to live, mm. you've got to rip yourself away from places, go somewhere new and just ha create new experiences in new places. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting approach, certainly, but I spoke to a few people about my kind of ethos, if you like, or the frame of mind I'm in when I go traveling. And I think that there's always a big part of me that's thinking about the next destination to, to settle in for, you know, maybe it's just a short while, maybe it's three months, maybe it's a year, who knows. But it's, it's a very different frame of mind to someone who just comes somewhere for a long holiday. So as I'm in Lisbon at the moment, I'm walking down all the streets, going to little local bars, chatting with locals, um, you know, going to different neighborhoods, going to the cafe down the road, like all the sort of things that you might do of a day in, if you lived here, right? And, and that maybe gives you a slightly different experience of, of a place because you don't necessarily do all of the touristy things. You know, I'm not prepared to spend half my day in a museum, for example, because I just, I just wouldn't do that. Um, I'm not against them. 
but I try, I do try to live a little bit, you know, as quickly as I can try and blend in. Uh, and, and I think that often gives you this feeling as, of, um, you know, what, what it might be like for you if you did live in a place. Yeah, definitely. And I think that immersing yourself in a place like that is of value whilst traveling, even if you know it's for a finite amount of time. Still good to try and immerse yourself as much as as possible. Imagine yourself living there, try and create a little home life there. I think you'll burn out if you just try and do things that you wouldn't normally do. Go to a museum, see a dinosaur, you know, (laughs) you wouldn't do that at home anyway. So why are you doing it now that you're traveling necessarily? Adam, I know that you're someone who absolutely adores the act of taking beautiful tasty morsels and placing them into your mouth and i'm interested as someone who's in europe now a place where i've not really traveled for a long time Mm -hmm. how's the food oh my goodness have we got time for our food item our food item we so lovingly called rice for breakfast (laughs) yeah let's play the theme music rice for breakfast you can't have rice for breakfast So, Al, as we know, mate, Rice for Breakfast is the food item on the podcast where we discuss things we love about food. Could be food culture, could be a dish that we've had in particular, and I'd love to share one with you today. I'd love to listen to you share one with me today. Have you already had your lunch, mate? Because I'm worried this is about to make you salivate. Mate, I went out into the hostel to ask for help setting up my SIM card, and Mm. the hostel staff member cooked me a chapati with some dal. Free of charge, (laughs) just while we were setting up the phone. So I have had lunch, and it was amazing. Oh my goodness, that's wonderful. Kind, isn't it? Not what you asked for, but wonderful nonetheless. Um, (laughs) My SIM card situation's dire. Yeah. so yeah, let, let's talk a little bit about a traditional breakfast, I guess, in, in southern Spain that I had, dare I say, every single morning without fail um, when I was in Seville. And what I would really like to talk about with you, Alan, because you're so good at sort of articulating how you feel, is whether the dish itself is as amazing as I thought it was in isolation, or whether it was completely circumstantial and contextual, and it was actually the experience of eating it as a whole that made the food taste even better. Interesting context of food. The very thing that allows Michelin star restaurants to serve a tiny slither of carrot and charge £200 for it. You're suggesting that context might have had an impact on your enjoyment. I think so. I think so. Because not that it isn't delicious, but I am talking about kind of a take on the pan con tomate, which as a Spanish speaker, Alan, you will know translates to... Bread with tomato. There you go. Oh, you cultured you. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, many times, mate, I went to a number of different restaurants, but it's very, very common for little cafes in the South of Spain to even do like a a menu. You might have a coffee and orange juice and then pan con tomate. But in the South of Spain, they also do it with ham, with jamón. Let's test out how good this microphone really is. (laughs) And they're very thin, salty slices of beautiful ham with this kind of crushed tomato spread. That's the sort of tomato they use if you have pan con tomate. It's normally been grated or crushed. And beloved in Spain, jamón, by the way. I've met Spanish travellers who have bought jamón with them because it's of <laughs> so much value to them. I've, I've genuinely met Spanish travellers in India with packets full of jamón in their backpack. That's incredible. Well, it goes to show, you know, just how delicious that stuff is. Almost addictive. Um, and then the, the bread has often had some olive oil on it, right? Yeah. And sometimes you eat them in a little, they might be a tostada 
sort of an open um, piece of toast, if you like, with this on. You do it yourself or you can, act, it comes in a little sandwich type thing, a little bocadillo. But either way, sitting with an espresso mm. and one of those, and it costs you like two euros and you're on a terrace, the sun's out in the south of Spain. The weather was spectacular, by the way, 20 degrees, blazing sunshine every day. And then, you know, the locals are coming in and out. It's busy. There's uh, napkins all over the floor. And it, it just, there was so much life in that, in those cafes. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's simple food, right? It's quality ingredients. It's very simple. It's a match made in heaven. And again, I feel like I'm, I'm part of the fabric of what's going on, the energy, the flow of Seville. I, I just, I just, it's perfection for me. I love that kind of culture as well, cafe culture. Mm. The amount of time I spend, even in countries where cafe culture isn't a thing, trying to find cafes, because I love that sit in a corner, watch the world go by, perhaps listen to some jazz music they got playing over the speaker system, sipping a coffee. I love that sort of vibe, rather middle class though it is. I think it's nice. I think there's something beautiful about it. I think you get to know your environment by just sitting with the coffee and watching it. I like that. Yeah, yeah, completely. I agree. I mean, it's something that I maybe orchestrate my entire day around going to a cafe in the morning and then figuring out what I want to do. But I think there are like quite obviously two types of cafe, especially in Seville. You've got ones that maybe are used by people who work remotely. They've got fantastic Wi-Fi. They're very clean, usually quite white and minimal. And then, um, you know, they do I don't know coffees that are worth taking a picture of. Should we call them um, <laughs> with the uh, you know, little baked goods and things. And then you have the cafes that seem quite outdated and run down and they're frequented by lots and lots of locals. There's normally a lot of chatter. They do very, very cheap sort of espressos and they've got the food, which, I mean, the food in some places is really high quality and in other places is maybe less so, but you're still talking about a difference of a euro or two. And you often stand at the bar as well. And I'm you know, having a chat with someone in Spanish and they're just peppering me with a load of interesting stuff. I imagine I'm maybe understanding 10% of what they're saying, but it's all part of the experience. I don't know what they're saying, but they're using the word hermoso quite a lot and batting their little <laughs> Spanish eyelashes at me. It's ever so nice. Um, so, yeah, mate, I mean, you know, in terms of a traditional breakfast, maybe something that uh, is quite iconic in that sense in the south of Spain as well. Uh would I, this is the big question, this is the big money question for you, Al, if I was to recreate that dish at home, which would be pretty easy, would it give me the same amount of pleasure? I would argue, Adam, that the answer is almost certainly not, because as we've learned on this episode of Rice for Breakfast, context is such a valuable part of what you're enjoying. You're enjoying the fact that you're having those locally sourced tomatoes and you're sat there flirting with that Spanish waiter and you're <laughs> looking at the surrounding thing. I imagine you like a little one-inch part of a Hieronymus Bosch painting, all unusual, sat in the corner watching the world go by. And I think you've actually inspired me so much that I'm going to go off and find a little Indian cafe and have a masala chai right now because I think context is everything. I wouldn't enjoy masala chai at all if I was to have it in London, England. But here in Vakala Kerala, I think I'll enjoy it quite a lot. Adam, this room is sweltering. I'm melting. You're wonderful. I think that now's a great time to hop off 
the rocking horse that is this week's episode of Tropology, tiptoe over to next week where we'll join our listeners for yet another episode. If they want to see our adventures, yours in Spain, mine in India, up until then, they can go to Tropology Podcast on Instagram and all social media. Follow us at Tropology Podcast, email us tropologypodcast at gmail.com or, Adam, what else can they do? They can come to the Lost and Found section after the episode at patreon.com forward slash tropologypodcast. Yeah, let's go there right now, Adam. Come with me. Get on to next week's rocking horse. Blast off to the moon. We're going to go there. We'll see you all there. Bye. See you there. Bye. Bye.